God, Andy, I feel like we've been digging for hours. How much longer? I've got calluses on my calluses. We have been digging for hours, Adriano, and it won't be much longer because this map is the real deal. Well, I'm tired. When are we going to hit this pirate gold? In a minute, or several minutes, or an hour. Um, the, the terms and conditions of the map seller were, uh, were not that specific. They were vague, but he did seem honest, and I'm pretty he sure did. this is the right spot, right? There was the X on the ground. Yep. And we followed all the instructions, we talked to the forest gnomes. Yes, we, they were lovely. Yeah, we crossed the river twice, the same river twice, which you're not supposed to be able to do, but we did it. We did it. And we, we got through the, the snakefield jungle and... The we, mangroves? Yes, blazed the a trail groves? through that quicksand. Mm. And here we are at the base of this giant sprawling oak, and this has to be the spot, and damn it, I want my rubies, so let's keep all digging. Right. Okay, okay, I'm digging, I'm digging. Dig, dig, dig. Did you hear that? I did, I did. That didn't sound like dirt to me. What do we got? That sounded like a good old-fashioned treasure chest. And let's have a look here, and it's... The Hypotheticals Podcast. Andy, got a question for you. Okay, far away. When you were a a young'un, sprog, uh, when you were in your tender years, what weird stuff did you believe was true that you've subsequently become sort of disillusioned or, or less certain of? Because I, I, I know you got some weird stuff laid on me. Okay, I, yeah, I've got a few um, for this one. One of the most disappointing things about becoming an adult, or actually one of the most impressive things about becoming an adult, was the mm. wages. Because I thought when I was a kid, <laughs> if I earned 100 quid a week as an adult, I'd be incredibly rich. Oh, I thought 100 quid was basically enough to last you the rest of your life. I, I distinctly remember that thought at one point. I think my dad <laughs> told me that he had 100 pounds in cash in his pocket for whatever. Like, I assume my dad was trying to show off to me. I don't know what the purpose of that statement was. But yeah. I was like, wow, that is literally all the money. Yeah. And um, I used to sort of measure value in Xboxes. So someone would say like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I spent 500 quid on rent. Not that anyone ever talked about rent when they were kids. But anyway, <laughs> someone just said in the that. playground playing houses and someone's like, oh, my mortgage is due. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they'd say, say that. And I go, whoa, that's two Xboxes. And everything oh. would be a factor of Xboxes or Xbox games. Hang on, that's really interesting. So were you actually, like, where did, where did the price of an Xbox enter your sphere as a child? I don't know what age. Maybe it was probably about eight or nine years old and you picked it up like from an advert i don't know i think it was because i wanted one and i looked it up and i was like whoa that is more money than anyone could ever earn ah that's interesting though because i'm pretty sure for me you see adverts right and sometimes they'll even be like only 49.99 extra parts sold separately or whatever but like that number just kind of goes over your head as a kid i'm pretty sure mm. Every, everything just costs money maybe i was just a strange child I, I guess. Very <laughs> economically minded. Yeah, you're saving up though, that's wise. Yeah, with my paper rounds. Where I <laughs> earn £2.50 per day. <laughs> oh my god. I kind of got taken by a kind of con artist when it came to paper rounds. Really? Yeah, he was advertising, uh, I think, £20 a week, which was too much money, basically. Yeah. 
Well, how, how long would a paper round take you and how many would you have to do? I can't remember how many you had to do. I'm pretty sure it involved waking up at like half four in the morning or something awful. <laughs> it was it was atrocious. There was no way I should have been doing it. Um, I kind of got bullied because the other kids doing it were like much rougher. Oh, no. Uh, I had to do it in my school uniform, which is basically a suit and also far too large for me because my parents had bought it for me to grow into. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so you need to picture this kid. And the, the, the bag of newspapers is about the same weight as I am yeah. just dragging me over to one side um, oh, so you got the actual bag because when I first started I had the trolley which was the most horrific thing because you'd just like be walking down the street and this cacophony of rattling would follow yeah. you oh I did that too for the local paper yeah my favourite part there was you had to stuff them with leaflets did you have to do that? no no I have never had to do that listen let's, a little digression about paper rounds um <laughs> So this man was basically a con artist because he didn't want to pay me while I was being trained. But he wasn't just showing me... Trained? Was... <laughs> yeah, a yeah, paper yeah. boy. Some other kid had to show me the route, right? So that I could, like, memorise the... Because it was a quite a complicated... It wasn't just, like, two streets. Yeah. This is a whole... You have to get on your bike. It takes you 45 minutes. You've got to go around the houses, like, proper route. And I had to learn it. And there were multiple routes, so it took, like, after a week and a half, I was still in training and the guy was refusing to pay me and he was complaining that it was taking so long for me to learn, at which point my mum was just like, stop this. Yeah, <laughs> Don't go ridiculous. back to that man. Yeah, he was the worst. Anyway, so that guy sucked. But also, for a while, I did the local paper, which was what you had the trolley for, right? You weren't taking that, like, miles away, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And did you have to stuff it with leaflets? Like, all the I think coupons they, and they stuff? I they actually had... Um... There was an old man who I think was called um, Roy or, or one of the names beginning with R. But he was about... No, no, no. Fo- the name's important, Andy. <laughs> we can't skip this. What was his name, man? It was Roy, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, um, Roy. But he was about 85 and he did the all the sort of leaflet packaging. Really? He, he probably only got about £5 per round. I felt quite <laughs> sorry for him. So he was just like a secondary sort of... Like an extra layer of employment. We got the paper boy and then we got the assistant... He, yeah, he's kind of the the paper man. <laughs> right, <laughs> he's the Fagin, and we're his uh, his little, you know, orphan children. You've got to stuff a paper rod too. Okay, <laughs> um, that used to take so long though. So you were pretty lucky you had an old man to do that, and you just, you just <laughs> yeah. got a stack all pristine and ready to go. It was good. It was God, good. happy days because the yeah, actual only, delivery was the easy part. I only had to get up at like six in the morning. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> The worst was winter, though, because you had to hold this trolley, and it was made of metal, the handle. Oh, of course. And even through gloves, your hand would freeze, and it was That's terrible. Was this a daily? Um, no, I think the, the ones with trolley I did at the weekend, and then I, I shifted to daily, and then right. that was when I got the bag. Right, but the trolley one, like, we did it at random hours of the day. It wasn't, like, required by a certain time of the morning, or was it Oh, yours? right. Yeah, yeah, we had to get it done. You know, wow, okay. This is not at all interesting. Um, but the the one thing I wanted to say about paper rounds was that I actually got uh, I sort of got sacked from mine almost because <laughs> what happened was that we we figured out my sister was helping me as well and it was just so not worth our time. You know the pay they give you is is atrocious and it took so long putting those leaflets in the papers and you had to deliver them except. I was given the instruction that if someone had one of those stickers in the window that said no free newspapers or whatever, you didn't have to give them a newspaper. Yeah, exactly. 
Right. And I was like, my God, because nobody wants a local paper. I had this this belief firm at the forefront of my mind that the, mm-hmm. the service we were providing was fundamentally pointless, that these were going to go straight into a recycle bin, that really we'd be saving everyone a lot of time and trouble if we just dumped them all immediately. But anyway, going to do the job properly. But most people probably just don't have those signs in their windows because they don't know that that's a thing. <laughs> like they could be doing a good deed. They could be saving me trouble, but they've never thought of it. So I know what I'm going to do. And I printed out and delivered alongside the newspapers my own leaflets that said hey are you sick of getting this freaking newspaper just stick this up in your window my dude and i won't bother with you with, oh, i won't bother brilliant. with it again yeah it was an incredible scheme i was about to cut my workload in half until it turned out uh the stupid woman who employed me lived on my street so she received one of the leaflets oh, dear. and she wasn't she wasn't happy about it she came out to harangue me when i next delivered her paper and then i think i just quit the thing is though like, I thought the, the legal working age was, like, 16 or something. I might be completely wrong here, but it feels like paper yeah. rounds are just a sort of loophole where it's like, ah, oh, but it's a paper round, you're fine. It's weird, isn't it? It's technically child labour. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Who knows how the taxes and things... It seems very underhanded, it's true. Mm. But they must be dying out, presumably. Everything's... Uh... No one's learning the how to toss that paper to spin into the camera, like in uh, those films... <laughs> Because the paper boys had to do that. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. go past with their bike, and they have to get just the right kind of top spin. It actually has to go so that it fans in such a way that the letterbox opens and it slots in. Yes, from a bike. God, I wish, I wish. <laughs> but those letterboxes will cut your fingers. Anyway, oh, I, mean, I was terrified of dogs. But anyway, on a yeah, yeah on a paper boy's sort of salary, a hundred pounds a week is rich. <laughs> so that kind of explains yeah. it. Okay, so. Money-wise, we both thought that, you know, £100 is a tremendous amount of cash. Yeah. The thing is, as a child, like, you're blessedly unaware of the workings of the world and of the the constant, like, just albatross around your neck as an adult (laughs) that is the economy, you know? Like, the necessity to make money. Mm -hmm. So, as a kid, like, I saw my mum at the supermarket and she would get food and, you know, like, delicious breakfast cereal and just, like, things, toys, things that we wanted, right? Mm. Good things with value. She'd take them right off the shelves, put them in the trolley, take them to the nice lady at the front, and then she'd go, you know, boop, 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 we put them in the bags, they they practically belong to us now, and then there'd be some meaningless kerfuffle where my mum would hand over a piece of plastic or whatever, they'd sort of exchange pleasantries for a minute or two, and then we had all our great stuff, which, you know, the, the the supermarket just kindly provided at no charge mm-hmm. um because why would there be and sometimes the lady would just be like here would you like your change or cash back or something and then hand over some money so it's great you get stuff and you get money <laughs> you get free money in the, in the with same every place. time you get food it's so convenient as a child that makes sense people give you everything there's never an expectation that you have to give something back so it's oh, just, God, that's no. the way of the world uh, and one time my mum's card got declined Mm. after like a massive like month shop like fill the freezer sort of deal yeah so you know that horrible like embarrassing like oh god we've already filled all the bags the cards declined i don't have my second you know like it was one of those like oh god what do like we're gonna have to start putting things back to bring the total down sort of moments Uh um and me the helpful child that i was was like mom it's fine just ask them to give you some change And then you'll have enough money to pay for the shopping. Like, what's the... Pre- Come on, mum. You silly. <laughs> silly. What Obviously. Are you doing? Obviously, yeah. you just get some free money and you can buy your shopping. Yeah, and I was astonished at how my mum didn't seem to think that was helpful. In fact, if anything, like, she got more sort of stressed out. She put you back on the shelf. Like, is that enough? <laughs> I'll give you this child. Fair trade. Taking these frozen goods and uh, you look after this thing. 
Yeah, so that was my, you know, I, I was very sad to discover that that wasn't the case. And in similar vein, uh, my girlfriend did not understand that shops needed money because her, her parents coddled her into this belief. Right. By, they made an arrangement with this sort of... Uh, Mafia like... boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where if she owned... ever asked anyone for money, they had to give it to her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were they were grooming her for leadership. You yep. see, so that's how she got her start. No, it was one of these like very rural arrangements that only work in a town where everyone knows everybody. But on this Greek island where she used to spend her holidays, everyone did know everybody. So there was one, literally one shop where she would go to get ice cream, and the the rule was, and it was carefully explained that she would just need to show the ice cream she was taking as she sort of left the shop, um, and then the owner would like have a, a tab, basically, as you know, as an alcoholic might have a tab at the local. <laughs> she had a running ice cream tab with her local dealer, uh, yeah. and then her parents would would settle it at the end of the week or whatever. I don't know. Point is, she thought this applied everywhere. <laughs> because why not? You know, just show, so, just show you this, you know bracelet and I'm out the door. <laughs> yeah, well to be fair, only to ice cream. I think I think the the extent of her theft was ice cream. Right, but I okay. I picture it basically, I don't know if you've seen the gifs or videos of uh uh, seagulls just trotting merrily into shops in coastal towns and then grabbing a, a packet of crisps and just <laughs> marching out through the automatic door. Also, I think I'd just be shocked as a shopkeeper. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably let them go. This could be like, that was so bleed tonight. <laughs> I don't know how to react to that. Yeah. You know what? Fair play. Confidence will get you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I had that experience, actually. I was, I was working in a local supermarket and these shoplifters came in. Um, and I, like, we had had no training about pursuing shoplifters. I was on minimum wage. I wasn't going to do anything anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, some genius at, like, upper corporate, because they used to decide, like, what goes on display where. They had the maps of the show. Like, we just followed orders, like, good peons. And someone had decided that the champagne needed to be on offer this week, which meant it went on the, the special displays at the end of the shelves. Uh-huh. Except in this particular store, that meant taking it out from behind the counter, where it was actually guarded, right. and putting it about two metres from the entrance of the shop, just in in plain view, quite expensive champagne, uh, now discounted, so I guess the loss was slightly mitigated. (laughs) But yeah, two teenagers literally just walk in, uh, bottle in each hand, both of them, and I'm like, oh, wow, these guys are planning something. I guess they'll come over to the, nope, okay, there they go, goodbye. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for your business. (laughs) Yeah, they just made off into the night. And I, I like the fact that as shoplifting booze goes, at least they made off with champagne. Yeah, no, they, they're cool. a classy pair of yeah. shoplifters. Probably the life of the whatever party they took it to. Yeah. W- were they um, well-dressed? No, just hoodies and things, I guess. But presumably bow ties and stuff under the hoodies. Underneath, they just didn't yeah. want to, yeah, like for the CCTV. Anyway, uh, Strange Beliefs as Children, we're getting a little bit off track. We're, we're just stuck on, like, teenage occupations. I have an alcohol-related one. We were on champagne. We were on champagne. Would you like to proceed? Uh, yeah, I think I would like to... I kind of want to blame my parents for this because I feel like I might have been introduced to the concept of drunkenness at quite an early age. I don't okay. know. Maybe that's an unfair accusation <laughs> because I get, you pick it up from cartoons and stuff, I guess. So they usually mask it like in SpongeBob. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure in the SpongeBob movie, that well-known oeuvre, mm-hmm. uh, Sponge, Spongy and, and, and Patters get <laughs> drunk on ice cream. <laughs> like they're oh. quite clearly drunk. Yeah, they're like slurring their words, they're unstable, and they have a hangover the next day, but they're at an ice cream parlour, just ordering round after round of ice cream sundaes. So and they, just, they just walk out of the shop with an ice cream in each hand, and wave at the shopkeeper. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> exactly. Anyway, as a child, I believed that being drunk was, you know, is it's the past tense of to drink. There's no alcohol specified there. You could get drunk off of any liquid. Right. So I remember just proudly proclaiming that I was going to get drunk because I'd been drinking so much water. <laughs> and that's just what was happening. Now, I was quite happy about it. Like, I was excited, I think, uh, for my first time. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I thought I thought water could do it, and oh, my parents chuckled. How the hell they chuckled? Okay, so you weren't taken seriously. No, um, and actually, that was kind of a learning opportunity missed, I guess, because they could have. And this again, my girlfriend allegedly, um, my dad, <laughs> her, sorry, my dad, no, uh, her dad used to. That would be a lot weirder. Her dad used to tell her bedtime stories to basically program her um, to be scared of like. Was it all in just series and ones? <laughs> just rewriting the source code <laughs> no to convince her not to smoke oh or to avoid motorbikes what was it like the little girl that caught fire and was, the little girl I, who died horrifically in a motorbike accident i wish i had more details i feel like I'm, i i think i've asked her about details and i feel like she doesn't remember them clearly because they just sort of insinuated their way into her subconscious but it's all zeros it was, and ones i'm telling you <laughs> It was like fam- a family of mice, but they smoked and then like the parents died or so, you know, just wow. like terrible things. And, and her mum smoked. And oh, eventually, oh, what? yeah, and eventually she made her uh, like a birthday card or something that was like, I love you, mum. I hope you don't die because of the smoking. <laughs> oh and gosh. then her mum was like, well, damn, and stopped. <laughs> well, I guess it was effective do? then. Yeah, and and I think her dad just laughed all the way to the bank. Like I imagine him macking, <laughs> like twirling his moustache. Like is that the reason that he wants to give up smoking? Because of all the money, <laughs> he's just going there with his bags of money to the <laughs> bank. <laughs> I've, t- I've painted a, a bad picture of a very nice chap, um, <laughs> but no, I, I respect that. Like, what an incredible thing to do! And she she dislikes motorbikes to this day. Wow. So yeah, well, on the topic of motorbikes. Um... I, when I was a, a child, my parents were talking to me about um, the the MotoGP racer Valentino Rossi, and uh, they told me that this man um, races motorbikes. And I said, "Oh, well, he must be very fast then." <laughs> oh my god, no, Andy, that's like a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, but I just didn't didn't realise. When man. someone said, "I just flew in from Spain," did you say, "Oh my goodness, your arms must be tired"? <laughs> No, because I knew that people couldn't fly, but I thought, you know... But the idea of riding a motorbike, just completely inane. Okay. Yeah, but, you know... Yeah, why not? I never said he won the race with the motorbike. No, that's true. He was just, like, a glutton for punishment. He's like, all right, maybe this time. No, okay, okay. Still going to finish it, though. One of these Strong second. (laughs) Out of two. Uh, that reminds me of seeing a show with my dad. I must have been like seven. And this guy's thing was actually uh, sort of like water skiing, except uh, with a motorbike and uh, a road, just like a track. Wait, hang on. So And no wa- skis. Wait, no. So water skiing, but with a, a bike and a track. That's just driving on a road. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, the bike was going by itself. I think he was somehow operating the bike via this special harness, possibly. I see. Okay. He was being dragged behind it. Um, oh. No roller skates, no skis, uh, just a pair of titanium-soled boots. Oh my god. Mm, the sparks were something to behold. Yeah. And I think he could only go around a couple of times before they had to replace his shoes in his some feet. kind of bizarre pit stop. <laughs> his <laughs> bones just worn to the nub. Oh my god. Yeah, every time they just have to uh, fit a new, you know, prosthetic. Yeah. 
And and I think at the time I was like, oh, I, I think my dad was had been cogitating on whether they'd have to replace the shoes very often. Or I remember him saying, if the titanium is actually wearing down the tarmac, it might go the other way, depending on, you know, how the sort of yeah. the science is working there. And I remember my young, like, child brain just being blown, just like, whoa, my God, he could actually be wearing down the road. And that, that was how I got my start in, in material science, <laughs> a passion that I've neglected to this day. So strange beliefs as kids. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there must be more. I used to be very keen on the idea of reading and writing, like, below the age when you, you're supposed to be able to. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, what I enjoyed was making squiggles on paper and insisting that I was writing letters to people. Is that a thing you, that you used to do? Um, I, I don't know. I can't recall. That's quite young, yeah. surely, that you were doing that. It was. It was like at that age when you you draw pictures right, but they're completely incomprehensible, and so the adults have to be like, "Oh, that's that's so good. What is it?" Yeah, that's you know, a brilliant that picture age. of. Um... <laughs> it's you, silly. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> cut to them like with the empty whiskey bottle staring into a mirror. <laughs> what the child? <laughs> what I... <laughs> I can't believe they didn't like... like my drawing. <laughs> <laughs> they're both on opposite ends of the bar. <laughs> the child's holding cradling an ice cream. <laughs> Ice cream in one hand, crayon in the other. Put it on the tab, Jerry, and walks out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen, Pokemon, right? Yep. I had some weird beliefs surrounding Pokemon because I feel like Pokemon were very important. Very Uh, important. They continue to be to some people. Mm. Um, I don't know now that the Pokemon Go wave is sort of crested. I don't know what they're doing. That crested, yeah, last year. Yeah, uh, and I might like this. It's only going to go down as time goes on, unless they somehow revive it. Who knows? Actually, I was reading an article. Uh, there's been a measurable. There was a measurable increase in um, the death toll from road accidents in America. Really? From Pokemon Go? Yeah. Like oh they, my god. Which is sort of predictable, but the the interesting thing about the article is that they basically proved it. Like some clever statisticians had put together these studies and figured out that like areas surrounding poker stops were like twenty five percent more likely to see crashes. That's and so insane. On. Yeah, like a measurable like various hundreds of deaths occurred as a result of a distracted. That sounds driving. like a Jeremy Kyle thing. Pokemon Go killed my sister or something. <laughs> yeah, my my sister was killed by Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of Charizard, uh, I feel like every generation must have its myths of, like, treasure troves. And the one I remember from school was that there was a shiny Charizard. Because you remember how important those shiny Oh, yeah, were. shinies were, were worth more than their weight in gold. Ooh-wee. Yeah, I forget about it. Gold's boring. But yeah. there was a shiny Charizard buried under the pea shed in school. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I mean, there's several questions here. why the PE shed and why did they think it was buried there who did they think put it there well I question one I think a PE shed by the way I don't know whether this is an alien concept to anyone but it's quite simply a wooden shed that we had by the like the schoolyard with the like games equipment in yeah like volleyballs and nets and huge tangles of uniforms right whatever the kids haven't like broken yet yeah and it's kept carefully locked because otherwise, you know, kids will kids will be kids. But it was also raised slightly off the ground, like one of those wooden sheds that's raised to, to prevent rot or whatever, I guess, on some bricks or something. So there was a crawl space under there. Oh, okay. It was too narrow to actually get under. So I think the idea was that it was something people could dare each other to do to try and sort of get further under than someone else, like try and dig it out, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it, it wasn't entirely inaccessible, which I think is, is key. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of a Great Escape style effort to to re- retrieve this Charizard. 
Uh, yeah, I imagine. I don't know if anyone ever actually attempted it. Maybe it was a kind of a Mount Olympus type of deal. Like, you can see the mountain, and you yeah. know the gods are up there, but you're never going to try and climb it. Like, it's probably possible, but it looks hard. Oh, it would be brilliant, though, if, if someone had actually secretly gone under and dug there, and they found it, and they never told anyone. They just that let the myth such live a good on. Story. But maybe they'll maybe they'll be listening and uh, they'll just chuckle to themselves and never yeah. never tweet us. If if you found that shiny Charizard, please never tell anyone. That's yeah. your secret. Leave us a review and secretly slip in the word um, blamange, and we'll know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> just real subtle work that in there. Really you subtle word that in. Well, if you include yep. the word that in your review, we'll know it's you. No, that's a bad idea. Andy. <laughs> the code is simple. Give us a f- make the review five stars. Okay, exactly five. Stars. five. Yeah, not three, not four. Five stars, Actually, and then we'll know. Yeah, or a one-star review, because then we'll know it's you. Mm, mm, no, Andy, <laughs> we need to have a talk. <laughs> Don't encourage that. Well, okay. Speaking of Pokemon, um, I remember the other day about Game Boy cartridges, which is what you play Pokemon on, obviously. Oh and god, yes. How obviously they were really badly made, and they would just break all the time, and they wouldn't start. Um, and how are you yeah, going to play your Pokemans if you didn't have a Game Boy cartridge working? So mm-hmm. you would take it out and blow in the end of it, and I think yeah, the logic to get the, dust out. to get the dust out was the logic. And then you put it back in, and sometimes it would work, and sometimes it didn't. But apparently, apparently that has no effect on uh, on whether those Game Boy cartridges um, worked what? or not. And it Come on, might man. have even made it worse. Oh. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I think it was just the action of taking it out and putting it back in again is what Hang fixed on. it. Does this just apply to Game Boy cartridges, or what about the N64? Oh, I don't know, actually. I, I never had cartridges. an N64. It's probably the same principle. My buddy did, and we said we we certainly blew... Uh, it sounds dirtier than it is, yep. but we, we blew that console uh, many many a time in our younger days. <laughs> you could Too definitely much. have phrased Kids that these better. days, maybe, I don't know how... Because these days with their digital downloads, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> We're past CDs even. You have to CDs. You have to be careful of scratches. These days, it's just clouds yeah. or whatever. I remember losing whole games on the PS One because they just got too scratched. Mm, or you lose the save card or whatever. Oh yeah, and if you lost the separate thing. Yeah, and also I think that like there was an era I, I was never prey to this, but if you were into the like the, the RPGs and so on, and you had to be sure you had enough space on your save card to actually save. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. you could just lose hours and hours and hours of progress. I remember being... I, I didn't have a Game Boy. Like, I was an underprivileged child with a Game Boy. <laughs> it's terrible. And my my friends lent me, like, Pokemon Blue. Uh, and I was like, bah. My mind was blown. But I hope they gave you the Game Boy with it. Otherwise, that would have been very cruel. <laughs> I just stared at that cartridge, <laughs> intermittently blowing into it and just praying that if I blew into it enough times, it would work. <laughs> no, but it still had my buddy's save game on there with all their legendary Pokemans oh. and all level 100. And they didn't want me to erase it because it's only the one that save slot on those old things. Yeah, so I just used to play the first section over and over. I used, some, I used to make it as far as Brock. Sometimes i get as far as Misty. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a good day, but it took hours. Because it like, wasn't like you, could just, you couldn't just leave it on in those days and like plug it into charge. You had oh, God, to no, change out the batteries. batteries. Yeah. yeah bad and batteries didn't grow on trees i feel like they used to be quite expensive we never had that many around the house yeah i remember once my uh my um brother was playing sapphire that was the one we went on so he was Mm. playing oh no he was on ruby actually and he got to like the final um of the elite four 
the final battle, he literally was winning, and then he was trying to get through the end text, and it died. And I, oh. I've never seen him so angry. <laughs> he threw that thing across the room. Uh, yes, fantastic. Yep. We haven't explored the realm of magic, or of, like... <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> Put in a good sound effect there. Um... I don't. I don't think we. I had specific beliefs that were interesting about monsters or whatever. Like there was always the sort of you know something might reach out from under the bed and grab you or whatever. Uh-huh. Nothing particularly interesting. But my sister was convinced that um, she like not only was magic real, but she personally could perform uh, vanishings. Wow. Yeah, which I feel like is is a relatively rare one because she would not have believed this had it not been for my dad. Yeah who was a bit of an amateur magician and i mean magic for kids let's face it is is easy street <laughs> because you tell them to close their eyes and then you take the thing away and then they're like oh where did it go that's incredible <laughs> how did that happen yeah and that's literally the level of uh prestidigitation we're discussing here mm-hmm. but the issue was my dad used to do the trick for her and then she was convinced that she had the power because that's how he spun it right right she was wishing for the thing to disappear and then when she closed her eyes she was doing it he was amazing did she ever wish a person away and you had to get them to disappear oh i wish that could have gotten so much darker because really all that happened was that we had to sort of maintain this illusion but then she became progressively more sophisticated she wanted to disappear more toys at once more difficult things quicker (laughs) she insisted that we be blindfolded at at one point she didn't want to close her eyes i think because why should she need to and you know it it became harder and harder to maintain this illusion until eventually it broke but i yeah i wish she'd gone drunk with the power and tried to get rid of one of her teachers or something yeah. it would have gotten much more interesting and then for you some reason... like send a letter to the school like hey we'd really appreciate it if um, miss Lindsay could just nip out um, yeah. of school for like two weeks just take a sabbatical please this just it's, it's like waking a sleepwalker we can't we can't shatter this <laughs> illusion too it could deep. be bad for her yeah too far down the rabbit hole <laughs> please help you wake up in the middle of the night after a failed attempt to make you disappear and she's holding a knife like i'll make you disappear <laughs> oh boy that could, yeah, that could have been much more interesting. Anyway, you got any more? Um, magic, I guess. I guess dragons. Do they come under the realm of magic? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once, um, I was actually too old for this. I was too old. I was about eight. And I saw a documentary which was about excavating a dragon skeleton from, uh, you know, a paleo dig. Um, a documentary? Uh, it turned out it was a fake documentary. Who'd have thought? But um, <laughs> but I thought That's it was fun. real. And I ran into my parents' bedroom and, and said, Dad, dragons are real. They've got evidence. And I was really excited. And then I just had yeah. to sit there while he um, looked through the radio times and pointed out the word which said um, fake documentary. And I was I was crushed. That is crushing. Yeah. Not only by the, the realisation that they weren't real, but also by the fact that I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the problem is, though, is a surfeit of knowledge, because back in the day, I don't know if you've seen, um, like, in Curiosities museums, you get, like, there's mermaid skeletons Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and it turns out, you know, later inspection reveals uh, that they took a monkey or a baby <laughs> or whatever, and a fish skeleton, you know, they just it's, it's a hideous amalgam yeah, of Yeah, just bones. sort of air-fixed them together. 
Exactly. But yeah. good enough for back in the day, there was no Radio Times, there was no Snopes.com, <laughs> there was nowhere you could go to, to, to reveal the fakery, so it's just, that's it, Mermaids are real. I like the idea that the Radio Times is where you go and you want to find out anything. <laughs> hmm, maybe the Radio yeah. Times will know. <laughs> it's that or the Reader's Digest. Those are the most up-to-date sources of knowledge I'm aware of. Why don't we look in an encyclopedia, Dad? No! <laughs> it's the Radio <laughs> Times or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the encyclopedias have an agenda is the problem. They're trying to sell themselves as the only font of knowledge. So obviously they don't want the dragons to, to leak. Exactly, yeah. You know, because in the first encyclopedia, they claim they were fake. They can't reveal the mistake now. They're in too deep. So kind of on the topic of things which we believed as children... I was wondering what bizarre things you would present to your own children, or someone else's children, as fact. Oh man, that is something I personally cannot wait for. I recently became an uncle. <laughs> I thought you were um... going to say I recently became a father. I was like, this is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be so good if I had like a sound effect lined up for like a crying baby or something. <laughs> say hello, listeners. No, but I, I did become an uncle and I just, I can't wait to be like the slightly like the kooky uncle. Mm-hmm. Um... So the thing is, kids kids love monsters, right? Yeah. They're basically, they're practically raised by them, uh, I feel like. Like, all our fairy tales, they're full of, like, oh, the thing that's going to get you, there's the monster in your, in your closet, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like, I, have a f- I, I never used to believe in that stuff that much. I think my parents were quite benign. But I don't know how they resisted. I, I have a memory of going on a night hike with my scout troop. Uh-huh. Um, because I was a Boy Scout in, like, I think the world's laziest scout troop. Because <laughs> uh, what happened, we had a skipper initially, a, a, a troop leader who sort of cared that we learn, like, knots and do survival badges and all the rest of it. And then he left to uh, to pursue greater things, I hope. Did you and, just go uh, away on, like, hotel spa weekends? <laughs> You've got your spa badge, John. <laughs> well done. It was almost, I think what happened was that basically the other, the sort of the dads, you know, these like guys in their 40s with their beer bellies and their uh, like barbecue tongs, they kind of, they were the secondary sort of like the assistant troop leaders mm-hmm. and they just kind of took over. Nobody took on the, the top dog role. Nobody was actually leading anything. They just like vaguely kind of, all right, you, you boys are here this week. Uh, I guess play football outside. <laughs> <laughs> or like sometimes they took us down to the river so that we could play like manhunt outside or something but there was no you know uh-huh. there was no learning anything it was just like organized games basically keep you off the streets that sort of thing um and one time they took us on a night hike and it, you know, there's there's something fun about a night hike because you're out in the woods you're away you you know you can't hear the car noises and stuff it's silent it's except for the, the night creatures it's dark you've got your torch um and they're trying to tell stories of like what's that fictional creature that it's like a rabbit, but its legs on one side are longer. What? You know the one? Oh, so it can, <laughs> okay. o- it can only run one ra- way around a hill. Is that it? Yes, exactly. Okay. It goes around in circles. I can't remember the name. Um, but yeah, they're, tr- they're telling stories about this stuff. And it's just, I'm just like, oh, we are too old for this. <laughs> and we got lost on that night hike, by the way, which was hilarious because we were being navigated by the responsible adults. They eventually had to phone the van to come and find us and pick us up. I, I remember getting lost in Scouts as well. Yeah, it seems really? to be a, a, a common trait. We were on a Kit Kat trail where, where they put Kit Kats in the woods, but um, then we lost the trail and we were just in the wow. middle of these woods and there were no adults about. So it. hang it was on, fun. dude, no, that's deliberate. They they Hansel and Gretel you. Yeah, but the opposite way They're to like make you get lost. Like reverse Hansel and Gretel you. 
Yeah. Yeah. But well, the, the thing is, that's what the parents do to Hansel and Gretel, is they take him into the woods and leave him there. Right. And then Hansel and Gretel use the breadcrumbs to find their way back out or yeah, something. Yeah, but I we followed the Kit Kats into the centre of the wood and then yeah, we're but, lost. You can see where the idea came from. Point is, I can remember thinking this would be really cool if I actually believed in like all these creatures. And I, I blame my parents... Yeah, my parents were way too benign to just, like, they coddled me, I guess. <laughs> they didn't traumatize me with stuff as in, in nearly enough, I think. And when I went away, I think I was, like, 10, 12, I went away on a school trip, and it was, like, baby's first school trip, you know, that, sort of at that age when schools first take your kids away for several days at a time, uh-huh. and some of the kids can't handle being away from home, they freak out, and so a rumor quickly circulated that the woods around the hotel we were staying at uh, contained a machete man. Machete man? Yes. That's quite uh, um dark for a, a kid's rumour. Yeah, but you know, there's always some kid who's seen like one of the classic horror films. Yeah. He thinks Freddy Krueger's going to come for you or whatever. Or he just thinks it's fun to scare his bunk mate and then... I like to think uh, that a machete man is actually a friendly figure. He just comes out like, Hi, I'm your local machete man. <laughs> Would you like to buy a machete? <laughs> he's just a nighttime gardener. There's no problem. <laughs> Just hack him. He's like, I clean the paths and make sure they don't get overgrown. (laughs) He's like a character on a kids' cartoon, like kids' TV show. Like, now we're going to hear from Postman Jim. (laughs) It's like, do you have any mail for us, Postman Jim? Nope. Okay. Well, how about Jerry the Machete Man? (laughs) And so everyone, he's like, kids, remember to keep your knives sharp. And always sheath your machete when not in use. You don't want to hurt yourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, this guy was less benign, I think, was the idea, but my problem was I didn't believe in him, um, and that sucked. Oh, and he was really depressed. He was like, <laughs> I, you know, Postman, Pat, whatever, I, I just, I really want to connect with these kids, but I just feel like they don't believe in me, <laughs> I, and I need and some self-belief right now. How can I believe in myself, exactly? <laughs> yeah, all the kids have to clap their hands. You kids at home as well, clap, clap your hands, clap your hands if you believe. For Machete right, Mike. Uh, <laughs> machete Mike. <laughs> He just like glows from within with renewed power, and then he just goes off to hack some people up. <laughs> and all the kids, the kids stop clapping like, "Oh, we shouldn't have done that." <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> the credits roll, kids just weeping, but still clapping because the TV show is and the the host is urging them on. Yeah, and then they get their machete badge at the end. <laughs> Machete Mike, like in the back, just like arms spread, what, like just like clasping three kids each side in a big like bear hug. But he's got a machete in each hand. The kids are just like side eyeing it, like uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dear. Anyway, I didn't believe in the Machete Man, and that that was a disappointment to me. So I think monsters will be my first port of call. Yeah, incredible monsters. Yeah, but yeah, credible enough, mm. I think. But uh, I try and go a little bit more original than Freddy Krueger or whatever. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't devoted enough thought to this. I'll have to start uh, brushing up before fatherhood strikes me unexpectedly. It sometimes does. <laughs> this blow to the face. God, <laughs> fatherhood, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't You don't know enough fairy tales. You're not prepared. <laughs> First thing you need to know in parenting, fairy tales. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, you, you basically need, like, the, you, you need a stack of DVDs uh, of just all the Disney classics, and I think you're good to go. Yeah, pretty Hockey much. kids in front of those, they pretty much raise themselves. Yeah. You got enough Simpsons reruns, you are off to the races. Mm. What about you, then? What would you What would you tell your um, progeny? I've always liked the idea of, of teaching a kid a fake language, as in, so you talk, you speak it to them as they grow up, and they learn it as their natural language. And I was yeah. like, I was looking into this, so I was thinking like Elvish from Lord of the Rings, because it's one of the most complete fictional languages. And one of the ponciest, surely. Yeah, probably as well. Yeah, you, you'd run into... <laughs> they would get bullied awfully. But there was a guy who taught his kid Klingon. Um, 
who it turns out this guy yes. was a, a sort of computational languages expert, but yes. he just spoke Klingon to him. I think up until the age of about three or four, and wow. the kid spoke Klingon, and his mum spoke English to him so that he wasn't completely sort of stunted. Oh, that man is a hero. But, like, the kid rejected the Klingon at the age of, like, four, <laughs> because it was like... But like an organ that d- there wasn't the right blood type. Yeah, it was just like, nope, I don't like it, no one else is speaking Klingon to me, uh, it's not good enough as a language, goodbye, I refuse to speak anymore. <laughs> My throat hurts, <laughs> yeah. too much screaming. All the I don't clicks. know how Klingon works, to be fair. I have no That's idea. miserable. Think of the dedication of that father, though, because kids don't talk for ages. So for months and months yeah, and months, yeah, just speaking Klingon. Just... He used to wow. he used to sing the Klingon imperial anthem to his child. Yes, which involved you know kind of the dominion of the Klingons, who are quite a warlike, aggressive race, I believe, in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, about you know stomping their enemies beneath their boots, and that was that was <laughs> his uh, nighttime song before bed. Yeah, well, that's what you need to to power you up, ready for for the dreamland when all your enemies come to uh to try and kill you in your sleep. Yeah, and disappointingly, the kid is now like eighteen and remembers nothing of Klingon. Oh, it's quite depressing. So that kind of scuppered my uh my teaching Elvish plan. I'd also have had to learn Elvish, which I think is more than I'm willing to <laughs> to do. <laughs> Yeah, either that, or maybe technology is going to fix that for us. I mean, Google Translate is getting frighteningly good. I think they're releasing um, like headsets at this stage that can sort of do it in real time. What, just so maybe implant eventually... that in your kid's head? Yeah, I kind of have a Babelfish arrangement, just pop it in their ear. And you know, you know some nerd is like a hidden Easter egg in some Google product is going to put in like a complete Elvish dictionary. Yeah. There's no way that's not happening. I like the idea of um, sort of half reality lessons for a child. Mm. So it's not exactly uh, telling them something as fact, but just signing them up at the age of, you know, six, put all of their pocket money into a Ponzi scheme, like a pyramid <laughs> scheme. Uh, right, explain to them like how great it's going to be. All they yeah. need to do is get all their friends selling the special fruit juice. It's super good for you. Yeah. Drink all the fruit juice you like, but be careful, it'll cut into your profits. Yeah, and the more friends you sign up, the more fruit juice you'll get. And they'll get fruit juice when they... Yeah. Uh, sign up with other people of their friends. Tell your school, do an, do an assembly. And then when, Help them make a when it inevitably collapses, you go, told you. And you hadn't told them. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, you, you absolutely, you, you don't even say told you, you just like, you you take the pipe out of your mouth <laughs> and, and doff your cap, you just nod sagely. And now you'll learn. <laughs> gaze at the sensor. <laughs> exactly. An eagle screeches overhead, you pull a salmon from the lake. That's it, you're... But yeah, trying to teach out. them just far too complex, you know, economic lessons um, at an age where mm-hmm. they are not prepared. And they're not explaining why it went <laughs> wrong. Yeah, because I think the real problem is we don't know what age kids are actually prepared for stuff. I think we've just decided as a society, like, this is approximately when baby's first pet should die <laughs> this is when they should be confronted by the idea of morality in general and then and then by their own morality specific uh, mortality sorry morality <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> at the age of 15 i want my kid to first be confronted with a moral choice <laughs> and at the age of six i want him confronted with the idea of his mortality uh actually that might be the real age i don't know about when it is but i'm pretty sure as a society we kind of have these milestones figured out but what if they're completely wrong what if a two-year-old is way better equipped to deal with the idea that one day he will come to an end than we think and by by coddling people it's like people who aren't told like the the birds and the bees until they're yeah, like 20 because yeah. of a really you know stern upbringing and then they're just they're messed up like they have all kinds of they're just there about, holding a blackbird you know, and bees. a bee just mashing them together <laughs> it's going just terribly confused. 
No one explained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, the earlier the better, really. Get those out of the way. You know, when the kid is still is still plastic, still malleable, still able to uh, overcome the, the, the traumas that life has in store. Yeah. <laughs> get him initiated into that cult really early on, because it'll seem weird later. Mm. You want to get him while they're young. Yeah, maybe initiate a kid into a cult. That'd be a fun, fun thing to do with yeah. children. Make up a cult. Yeah, why not? There's no downside. All the cult members who are in on it don't believe in it, but the kid does. And and you just pretend That's actually that, really you know, that you're doing all this blood sacrifice and stuff. It's actually, you know, glucose syrup and red food colouring. Um, and then on yeah, their yeah, 18th yeah. birthday, you go, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> and all the pe- all the people that they'd sacrificed just yeah, come, come out of the cake. the room with balloons. <laughs> yeah, all of them. 20 people it's a huge cake. cake. The kid is just screaming and screaming. It's finally the judgment day. It's disguised as like a an altar. <laughs> a sacrificial altar. This cake. <laughs> that could be so good. Oh my goodness. Staging an entire cult. Yeah. And there would be like, there'd be feast days. And there would be, you'd be like, Shh, you're not going to school today. You'd, you know, you'd wake him up yeah. in the early hours of the morning. Like, my child, it is a black day. <laughs> Put this on. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea of all the parents discussing this and like treating it as though it's like Santa Claus and Christmas. Like, oh, it's so cute when he saw his his first blood sacrifice. And when, <laughs> when we held up the goat's head, ah, oh, he was just so terrified. It was so adorable. <laughs> Yeah, and we what we did is we went on the roof and we made noises <laughs> so that like when he went to bed, so that he thought Cthulhu had risen. <laughs> yeah, and we we took all the children and we took them down into the basement and shut the doors and we had Steve from next door hammer on it and he had an axe and it went through and oh their faces are oh, loved it. Yeah. You've got to do it with your kids. <laughs> you just had like those are the moments, you know, like you play some hidden cameras. Those These are the ones they'll look back, back on, on in their therapy sessions. Yeah. <laughs> When they come to make their own cult, even more devilish and horrifying. I like that idea. Yeah, assuming we have time before the rising of Xanthax or whoever. (laughs) Is that a brand of prescription? uh, Yeah, it sounds similar to one. (laughs) I I couldn't invent a Lovecraftian deity (laughs) off the cuff. Sorry, I already mentioned Cthulhu. I think I'm out. Mm. Do you have any others? Um, no, I'm just, I'm sold on the idea of childish cults now. I was just picturing how cute these five-year-olds would be in their little (laughs) robes. Like, tiny child-sized daggers. Because trick-or-treating and stuff, we have these weird rituals. We'll dress them up as exactly. devils and demand candy of strangers. Like, we're, we're close. We're nearly there. Mm. You just gotta give that little push. Another idea I had uh, was that you tell them that if you plant something, it will grow into a tree which grows that thing. Oh, yes. I've, kids are a, a hop and a skip from believing that anyway. It's something you can kind of, you can enforce because you can then you know, plant a tree when they're asleep or whatever and hang the object off it, different objects. So, like, they plant a of coin course. and a magic money tree grows. Um, or they pl- you plant, like, a shoe <laughs> and more shoes grow. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about this and I, I then I realised that um, it's quite, it could be quite dangerous because if they like, I want to have a baby brother <laughs> and they go into the backyard <laughs> and they bury their, their younger brother... <laughs> Ooh, yes. Or like, oh, one puppy is great. What if I had lots of puppies? <laughs> it would be a good, uh, again, it would be like one of those I told you so moments because they're like, I like toys, mm. right? And then they just bury them and now they're just ruined and you're like, that's what you get for being Or maybe it would be child. like, yeah, if you set fire to a thing, then more of it will appear. 
And then they set, they set fire oh, to their... this ties in great with the color. Yeah, set fire to all, all their pocket money. And then you go, ha-ha, it's not real. <laughs> let, that, let, let that be a lesson. <laughs> yeah, the, the true... <laughs> The true treasure was fire all along. <laughs> the true meaning of cultmus. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the, the concept of sacrifice, I think, is an important one. <laughs> okay, pretty early on. That's oh. good. <laughs> well, listen, um, what if what if these things came true, though? Okay. Like, say suddenly all the things you believe as a child, like all those childish superstitions come back. Okay, like the ones we, we believe that, in now. They're true. Or did believe yeah. and are real. Now, exactly, now what? Like, they, they'd probably be sustained by the power of communal <laughs> belief, I guess, unless they're sort of, they only individually apply to the people who believe I in them. I thought you were going to say sustained by the power of communism. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> uh, uh, communism, that childish fairy tale. <laughs> that might finally come true, I guess, in Who this knows, scenario. it could happen one day. Um, <laughs> just Stalin just rises, <laughs> Lenin's back. But things like um, uh, like the moon being made of cheese, famously, you know, Wallace and Gromit perpetuated Ooh. this. Uh, I was going to say stereotype, that's not the word. Um, but this fact, myth. yeah, this myth. Um, <laughs> this fact, they prepared, yes, a fact now in this scenario, absolutely. Wallace and Gromit might be unknown to some people. I encourage them to look it up on YouTube if they want something quintessentially mm. British. I would say even even more so. Yeah, than but the, anyway. If it did just suddenly turn into cheese, that would probably be a problem, wouldn't it? Yeah. I feel on the one hand, um, just, I want that. It, it just sounds spectacular. On the other hand, I feel like we would just have no moon because there'd be, there'd be a density oh, issue, Yeah. right? Like, I don't think it would rot or whatever. You'd be fine there because there's no atmosphere. So in the cold vacuum of space, it would just be uh -huh. frozen cheese. But it would be lighter than moon I rock, assume I assume. So. And so it would just Especially if there's a lot space, of, you know, um, right? Emmental in there. Lots of holes. That's yeah. true, yeah. That would be, in, yeah, all these moon caves. I feel like it'd be good if that if that somehow was triggered while there were people exploring it. I, I just, I have a good vision of astronauts exploring mm. cheese caves. Well, they're, they're on, really like you know, that. one of the oceans and they, they suddenly sink into this, <laughs> this thick layer of cheese, of uh, Philadelphia. Creamy. <laughs> Yeah, or, or primula or whatever, that horrible, like, squeezy oh, yeah. cheese type substance. But the thing is, <laughs> with that kind of moon landing, you'd, you'd melt all the cheese. Like, there'd be this impact zone where all this horribly oh, melted and that. deformed cheese, and you'd sink in <laughs> with the thrusters. What a delicacy you might be creating, though. Bring that back to Earth. That's like the ultimate, you know, like a creme brulee yeah. of cheese. There's they a brought, market for that. Moon, like, crystallized moon, moon cheese. Rocks. Why not moon cheese? There'd be a lot of space space tourism, perhaps. Elon Musk, get on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I mean, is there any nobler goal, really, than acquiring <laughs> moon cheese? I, I don't think so. Uh, what other weird myths do we have? The moon is made of um, cheese. What do we oh, tell uh, kids? Storks <laughs> deliver babies. So the the birds, storks. Oh, yeah, that's a horrifying thought. Like, uh, large birds, which are also kind of Disney-fied. I mean, yeah. So, um, that they bring bring babies. But yeah, just all, all the hospitals just surrounded by storks <laughs> flying in and out. It would have to be institutionalised. Yeah, they'd have to figure out there'd be a triage, some kind of sorting system. Because the maternity ward, like, there's going to be mix-ups. Yeah, and then you'd have to have the windows open all the time because otherwise just fly into them. 
It's true. You need separate hospitals, maybe, because I feel like that's that's unsanitary. You, you could you could make that work as a thing. It might actually be less messy than the current system. I can I, I can't speak for women here, but I know <laughs> that if I was faced by the prospect of childbirth, or some cool bird could just rock up and mm. hand the thing over to me, I might be inclined to go with the bird. I mean, this is and then you get a free bird. A slightly disgusting thought, but what if the stork gave birth to the baby? Ooh, so just this heavily pregnant yeah, it bird turns up and you're up. like oh and it just you know kind of in my mind actually because they've got almost like a pelican bill right it's really almost long. i guess yeah. it's it's long and thin i guess but if i'm picturing a pelican now right just kind of disgorging a baby okay yeah like orally yeah just vomiting uh, it up. kind of works yeah <laughs> it's, it's like it's actually marginally less gruesome than the the genuine article but the thing is I'm right because obviously when you have a baby there's a mechanism by which you get there but in this scenario, are <laughs> are um our babies? Do, do they just sort of randomly allocate them? So the thing is, yeah. So you keep getting like unwanted babies. They just keep coming, and you're like trying to keep all these birds out of your house. Like, no, <laughs> I don't want one. Get away. It's a bit like the birds again, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> right, it's... except there's babies involved. Yeah, they'll <laughs> drop them down a chimney if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> like in um, you know, in Harry Potter, where the letters keep arriving. That's right. You're like, no, we don't want this. So... You, you tear it up, throw it in the fire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Next no. thing you know, the milkman's delivered six of them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, that oh. gets dark fast. That got really I dark. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I assume the thing is this is a childhood myth and I think kids don't like to conceptualize that they weren't wanted. Right. So the stork usually, it's like, you know, oh, mummy and daddy wanted a baby so bad and the storks knew or they heard us or we, we prayed to the storks or we, we called, them. I don't know how it works. Uh, the storks brought you because we wanted you, mm. right, is the myth. So how maybe they just didn't know somehow. How quick is it though? Is it just like, oh yeah, we do both want a baby and they're like, bam, it's there. <laughs> it's like spur of the moment like you're both wasted right and just like in a, in a moment of misguided romance wouldn't it be great if we had like 80 babies right now <laughs> yeah just like think of like yeah quadruplets sound it, really cool against your windows you just hear because <laughs> that's how they're delivered like by catapult no no they're flying into them oh i see <laughs> These birds are smart enough to find you psychically with your children, <laughs> yes, but not like smart enough to figure out windows. You've got to be windows careful. confuse birds, you know. That what is are you going to do? That's troubling. So instead of fetal alcohol syndrome or like dropping a kid on its head, oh. you do have the issue whereby if you're not careful with windows, <laughs> yeah, slightly. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> dark. <laughs> I got dark. Yeah, but yes, storks. That's a good one. Um, tooth fairies. Tooth fairies. Yeah. Would, would be real. Which, ah, there's a lot of breaking and entering in, in the child mythos. Mm, yeah, Father Christmas as well. Father Christmas, and it, it, I guess like we're taught that these are benevolent figures, mm. so it's fine. But at least Santa, like, he will stay in your living room, as a rule. Right? Stay? What Does do you mean stay? Oh, right, yeah. Well, no, because sometimes he'd do stockings, and they'd be, you know... Made... Are they at the end of your bed? Like, sometimes, yeah. Fireplace? Uh, I guess in the modern household, who knows? Here's the thing. If you, as a parent, are putting kids' presents in your kids' room, you are making life hard on yourself. Mm, you are. Right? Because why would you want to risk being discovered being Santa? Surely the delivery zone is, is downstairs or something. Or just outside their door. I think that's what my parents used to do. No, because no, I, I distinctly remember the sensation of waking up and feeling a weight on my legs. And that was very exciting because it meant there was a full stocking. Are you serious? Yeah, it was a really exciting. They used to feeling. pin you down with it. <laughs> it wasn't like, pinned like under I... the weight of your grief. Of your grief. It wasn't like, like I had to sort of slither out of bed to get my <laughs> legs unpinned and like spend five minutes recirculating blood to my extremities. <laughs> it was just like a light weight. 
No, no, your legs are pinned down and they have to amputate, but it's good because the gift that was pinning them down, pair of prosthetic legs. Let that be a lesson to you, son. <laughs> Don't be greedy. The perfect gift. Um, okay, well, your parents were hardcore then. That, that's, that's Harry Potter level mysticism. I'm pretty sure they have their stuff appear like at the foot of their full poster. Yeah, yeah. But that, so I that assume was, that's house elves or something. That was commitment uh, on the part of my parents. No joke. But tooth fairies... To be fair, tooth fairies make life hard on parents. They've got to slip something literally under your pillow. But the yeah. thing is... They've got to go in and a... yank your teeth out while, you, while you're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Real subtly. The thing is, as a, as a parent, you can like you can fake that a lot easier, right? Like, oh, I was just coming in to kiss you goodnight, honey. Pay no attention to the hand under your pillow. Yep. You know? It's fine. But uh, what are you doing with that stocking, mum? Like, oh, I was just stealing your Christmas presents. <laughs> Don't tell dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's more difficult to pass off but tooth fairies will be real in this scenario and that's scary mm. i think yeah that is quite scary bogeyman as well and any monster is is immediately real and scary yeah every wardrobe is suddenly just like replete oh gosh. with creepy cool <laughs> they're all but go- also narnia yeah, i guess they're also a bit stuck in there they're quite squashed in <laughs> i guess there's it, gotta be like a maximum capacity though yeah Although, no, like you can fit an infinite number of monsters under any child's bed. This is true. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They fight for dominance, and then, you know, whoever wins gets to grab your ankles. It's evolution at its finest. Yeah, definitely. What do they do you after they, they grab they... your ankles? Do they just go, right, I'm, I'm happy? <laughs> uh, they drag you under, I think. Oh. Well, like, I think the, the terror, like, begins and ends at the moment of ankle grabbing. I think that would be sufficient. But yeah, I can I can picture them dragging you screaming underneath. Mm. I'm sure that's happened in more than one horror film. Yeah. Also, uh, I think, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, I was going to say something completely inane, which is that my, uh, actually, I remember that my childhood monster uh, of, by, like, par excellence was <laughs> the the creepy baby spider head from uh, Toy Story. Oh, that was really creepy. Yeah, par excellence. Toy Story at a young age, and... Uh, yes, oh, sure, exactly. may I recommend <laughs> your, your creepy spider head? <laughs> This is like a sommelier, uh, a sommelier, I can't remember how to pronounce that word. Yeah. So there goes my pretension, like, cred right <laughs> down the toilet. <laughs> anyway, he's like, he's he's a bespoke, uh, it's a bespoke fear emporium. Yeah. And he's recommending, like, the ideal fear for your child. <laughs> we have something quite special in this week. <laughs> this, you see, this is the head of a doll. Creepy enough, you say. We have removed one of the eyes for that added fear factor. But no, 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 we are not done. <laughs> For you see, with the simple Meccano set, we have created a spider. (laughs) Observe its claw. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You're just watching this thing's head, like, rotating Uh, 360 degrees. It's great. I'll take it home. Show it to the kids. uh, Yeah, other other tales we tell children. Square eyes, everyone. Oh, God, yeah. Although, is that a thing these days? Screens are everywhere. Surely you can't be like, oh, don't sit too close to the TV. You'll get square eyes when, like, mum, your smartphone is never out of your hand. What do you want? Mum, get off Tinder. I don't know. You're going to get square eyes. <laughs> off Tinder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just enjoyed that image. Um, but yeah, square eyes. Maybe they're dead now. Uh, not not the kids with square eyes. I mean, like, the concept. Maybe right. that went out with cathode ray tube TVs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What do the kids believe these days? What do, what do parents tell them? I feel like I'm in that, in that intermediate age zone where I don't yet. I haven't had to, haven't had to deploy my own fictions yet. Deploy. But I'm but I'm out of touch with today's youth, so I've I've no clue what is being believed. Maybe they all have Wikipedia; they don't believe anything. Mm. Maybe, yeah. But then I don't know. There have to be some which, until a certain age, anyway. You you don't have that much contact with technology, or at least most kids don't. So like eating or, carrots, yeah. or you won't be able to see in the dark. 
Because that kind of thing is has a grain of truth in it. But It does it? It does because beta carotene in carrots is responsible very slightly for eyesight. But it doesn't make you see in the dark any better necessarily. Oh, so there actually is like a deficiency of beta carotene will harm your eyesight. So yeah, it will. There's actually a there's a link. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just the best prank ever pulled by propaganda, to my knowledge, because it it was a rumor. My understanding, Snopes will probably prove me wrong now. My understanding is it was a rumor spread by uh, the British government to hide the invention of radar during <laughs> the Second World War from the Germans. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, like, why are the British pilots so uncannily accurate even during nighttime flights? And maybe this was First World War. I don't know. Anyway, at some point, I think the Brits can claim this. Maybe I'm just being like misplaced patriotism, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah. And the story was like, oh, we've been feeding them a, a strong diet of carrots, <laughs> so their their nighttime eyesight is second to none. And uh, so this got spread throughout the population, which resulted in probably like a healthier diet for people yeah. generally, uh, and possibly in some very confused and angry Germans. Surely, yeah. Surely the Germans didn't believe that though. That's like the national equivalent of shouting out wrong answers on a pub quiz. <laughs> oh yeah, carrots. Yeah, we're using them to. You're the answer is Albert Einstein. So it's it's a maths problem. <laughs> probably not Albert Einstein. Shut okay. up, Germany. We don't believe you. <laughs> Vice versa. But yeah. yeah, it's probably better than leaking. Like allowing the possibility of that. It's like it's just enough to keep the population talking about something. I guess, which is what you want. Food-related things. Uh, while we're on the subject of carrots. My father convinced us uh, that couscous was ants' eggs. <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah, there was it's that simple. Really, it looks like it. It's like, it's like ant caviar, tiny ant but caviar. But you, you still ate it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Why would you eat it? I think, like, I don't know. I I can't remember. I want to believe that it, maybe I was like, wow, cool, and then you know, I just wanted to chow down on ants' eggs. I don't think that was it. I think more likely. <laughs> my dad kind of put the fear of god into us when it came to like finishing our meals mm. he was he was a stickler for uh like you finish everything on your plate um so i think it was just like that's it we eat this now there's no other choice <laughs> ants eggs okay that's what's for dinner yeah let's go well that's the thing isn't it like um you can't leave the table until you finish your meal was often mm. a thing which was said to me but what if if literally you couldn't leave a table until you finished your meal Oh, like all the childhood rules become enforced as, as laws of nature. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, I'm really full, but I can't, I literally cannot move because I haven't finished my quiche. And your parents are just in despair. They're like, what? No, why didn't you tell us? We would we would have put less on your plate. You fool. Now you're stuck there. Yeah. You're going to, kid, you're going to have to make yourself throw up. There's no other way. <laughs> and Come on, the rest. I'll get you the feather. Yeah. But like, you could imprison people by just putting huge banquets in front of them. <laughs> Yeah, and like the the fat kids, like suddenly that's a badge of honour. Like it shows what they've been through, what they've escaped. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my house, Mr. Bond. <laughs> and here, see my table, enjoy your meal. And it's just this enormous table stretching into the distance and Bond's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even sat down yet, but then he looks down at like the, the placemat and there's one of those little place cards with his name on yeah. it. It just like comes into focus and then, yeah, <laughs> no, falls to his knees. But then that's it, he's stuck. Cut there. to now Bond to eat eight months later. <laughs> uh, but it was all delicious. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Doom and Mrs. Doom. Mm. <laughs> really nice. Um, what other weird rules are there? Because I, I feel like most things are just kind of like 
bedtimes and stuff. They're enforced just because I said so, or because you need your sleep or whatever. Yeah, I guess again, food. Like, did did your parents ever say like, oh, this food needs eating up? Oh yeah, yeah. That expression, they, like they that food that. had a desperate need. It was like pleading with you, like, please eat me. I'm, I'm begging yeah. you. It's a final wish. You can't can't not fulfill that. Yeah. It doesn't want to end up in the in the compost or or heaven forbid in landfill. It needs to end up in you, child. <laughs> so you're you're at this huge table, right? And all these different food options are begging you to eat them. You're just like, oh, I'm trying to get to all of you as quickly as I can, and I can't leave until I do. That's the creepiest thing I can imagine. The carrots are just like, we need to be inside you <laughs> quickly, quickly, safe room. No, wait for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's really, again, quite horrifying. And there's lots of things that your parents tell you, like, even just to, to make the world a slightly nicer place. Like, you know, oh, the, those girls at school that are mean to you, they're just jealous of me because <laughs> you're, you're the prettiest. Or, like, the bullies, they're just like that because they're insecure. You yeah. know, they feel bad inside. You need to... Un- That's not true. Bullies are just, like, horrifying people sometimes. I'm pretty sure. They might have issues, I- but they're not jealous of you necessarily. They probably just no, don't like, like you. It's a bit simplistic, I think. I'm, yeah, I'm sure they have their issues and aggression is like a poor answer to whatever traumas that, you know, but it's not as simple as like, oh, I wish I was as cool as Kenny, because I'll flush his head down the toilet again. Yeah, but if, if it is, if it does come true, then bullies would be jealous of you. And you, oh, yeah. you're like, you beat someone up and you watch him limp away jealousy and just like shake your head like, man, I wish I was that guy. What what must his life be like? Spitting his teeth out. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, if only one day Bully just forlornly like pushing his own head into the toilet. It's just not the same. <laughs> They're just fulfilling the golden rule, like do unto others as you would have them do unto yeah, you. Yeah, and they really like you know being nuggied and having a head in a no, toilet. Masochists, essentially. Maybe someday, what someone will steal my pocket money, my lunch money. Then I won't have to finish this meal. <laughs> That might be the origin of some people who end up, you know, being of the sort of chains and whips persuasion. Perhaps, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if there's an overlap. Childhood bullies and uh, dominatrix patrons. I bet there's been a study. There's bound to have been. I hope so. Yeah, someone out there should figure that out. Well, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) If tales uh, we tell children came true, it would basically be just horrifying. (laughs) Just awful things happening. Yeah, because, I mean, why, why would you tell, like, you know... These tales are not well thought out. Is the thing the whole the whole reason they're fictional is they don't fit well into our boring adult world. Mm. We try and add a bit of a bit of magic or a bit of simplicity. And either way, you do not want that coming true, buddy. It's Machete Men from Hell to Breakfast. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Bye! of your your fa- my favorite saying of, of yours that's that was not a good sentence <laughs> one of 
one of the sayings that you say that I like the most. <laughs> a saying of yours that I appreciate. <laughs> Favourite sayings of yours to me. It sounds like you're reeling off like um the the songs on your like greatest hits CD as they scroll up the screen really quickly and a little clip plays in the background. <laughs> They're all just really similar songs. Colour me curious. All right, I'll pick up a bottle and I, I shall let you know. Mm, I don't know if I have a curious crayon uh, to colour you with. Oh my god! <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so, I'm glad sorry. that didn't make it into the podcast. <laughs>